you guys, and welcome back to another episode of Reluminati, the podcast where we drink beer and talk about conspiracy theories. My name is John. This is Jake. And welcome back. So we have a great episode for you guys today. Sure. Yeah, we're going to talk about stuff. Uh, yeah, Thanks. we're talking about apocalypse stuff. Yes, the end of the world. Yep. Uh, but as always, before we do that, let's talk about beer. Jake, haven't seen you in a while. What's up? What are you drinking? How how are you doing? Everything Gucci? Doing good. Doing good. Uh, you know, wife, kids, home, you know, <laughs> living the life. Right. Uh, I don't know about the kids part. I'm like doggy, kitty. Yeah. <laughs> I got those two. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's been a little wild of a time. Uh, but, uh, you know, life in the time of COVID. Oh, absolutely. 100% true. Yeah. Uh, so tonight I thought it would be fitting for our end of the world podcast. Not that it is the end of the world, but we're going to be talking about the end of the world Yep. to pick up a atomic breakfast stout, which is a really kind of minimalist designed can featuring a gigantic mushroom cloud on the front. Yeah. It's kind of like a, like a very basic Argyle kind of jam going on. Yeah. I, I'm a, I dig the Argyle. It's one of my favorite patterns. And uh, this is brought to us by our old friends at Glass Jug Beer Lab. Oh, we've talked about them before. Yeah, I believe it was the first episode where we had the stone fruit pie sour. Is that what it was? Yes. That tasted like a tea. I, I think I described it as a tea that had been left on the counter. The LaCroix uh, beer. The LaCroix beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember that one. Um, I really feel like they have redeemed themselves with this atomic stout. It's a yeah. nice, uh, hearty beer breakfast stout um and it's kind of everything you would want in a in a good stout it's not nice. really out of the ballpark or anything weird or anything different it's just a very serviceable stout okay yeah yeah i mean i feel like i say this every single episode i have such a hard time with stouts like i'm not <laughs> even sure what would constitute a good versus a bad yeah stout i think but- or a breakfast stout, specific, like specific. Because yeah. when it comes to chocolate stout, I'm like, does this taste like chocolate milk beer, or does it not taste like chocolate milk? Beer? Right, right. But it's it just a yes or a no tab. Right, but know? when it comes to like oatmeal stouts, and that's like a breakfast oatmeal stout or something with coffee. Yeah, I'm yeah. always just like, like a question mark pops up over my right, head. It's like right. I, I imagine the sound effect from Metal Gear Solid is going to go off. It's like yeah. blink, and it's like, but the question mark, I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, I think I think it's New Belgium right now that has a a stout floating around everywhere that's called Coffee is for Closers. And I it's hadn't a, heard that one. Yeah, yeah, it's just a very very you drink it and it's coffee. Like that's just, I mean okay. obviously by the name it's just you're drinking coffee. This is clearly a stout. It's clearly very thick and hearty. It has that nice kind of stout mouth feel. As weird as it is to use that term. Yeah, I think uh, I know what you mean. A little thick. Yeah, it's like a little mocha too. There's a little bit of like a like a chocolatey bit to it. Okay. Uh, the oatmeal part, I don't know. Like I've been drinking these for years, and I don't know where the oatmeal thing comes in, doesn't come in. Yeah, I'm sure there's lots of people who could school me on that. Um, I'm sure they have to be out there, or else it wouldn't exist. Yeah, and, for sure. Uh, but yeah, overall, I think I think Glass Jug Beer Lab, uh, 100% redeems himself with this. Um, it's a limited release, you know, they're straight out of Durham and yeah, it's not a LaCroix, it's not a LaCroix beer. I'm a fan. So I would definitely, 
the weirdness of the LaCroix beer we had last time made me want to try more of what they had. Interesting. And it led me to this, and I'm very pleased with this. I would keep this in the fridge all the time. I always go the total opposite direction. Like if I get maybe not a beer, but if I get one or two or three beers from a brewery and I don't like any of them, I'm basically done. I'm over it. You you get burned and you run screaming from the scene. Yeah, like at that point, I'm baby, I people are going to be like, what do you think about this brewery? I'm like, I had half their beers or, <laughs> or, or like I had two or three out of the 50 beers they make and they're garbage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. But, you know, I'm well, I mean, you know, first impressions and I'm going to go after the beers that, you know, to me are the easy, the easy ones for me. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. going to go after your IPA. If your IPA is bad, I'm sorry, but I'm probably not going to get past that. It's I mean, that's a solid point. It's like... um God, what's that guy's name? Gordon Ramsay. Like he has the cooking shows and when he brings people on his shows, like his reality show, I think it's Hell's Kitchen or whatever it is. Yeah. He's like, make me an omelet. Yeah. And if you mess up an omelet, that's a big problem. You yeah. Know? Like if you fuck up an omelet for Gordon Ramsay, you're not getting any further. He's right. just going to call you a stupid sandwich and you know, it's right. going to be over. <laughs> and I mean, like an omelet is a pretty basic thing, you know, just like an IPA and a stout are pretty basic things. I'm trash at making omelets. Too. I am too. I, I, I can I can make a mean scramble. I will throw cheese and all kinds of chunks of stuff you want to eat into it. But an omelet, I suck at flipping them. Absolutely. I'm absolutely terrible at omelets. Like fried eggs. You want it over easy with a runny <laughs> yolk? I fucking got you. You want some scram eggs? I got you. You want like a breakfast bowl? I got sure. you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, omelet? I'm fucked. Yeah, it's 100% rough. screwed. There's yeah. no way you're going to get a nice looking omelet. It's going to look like hot. It's going to be scrambled eggs. Yeah, I, I always go scramble. I don't even bother with the omelet. It's it's and I'm actually garbage at doing uh, what is it? Sunny side up with yeah. the, with the runny. Yolk. I don't even know. What to, I don't I rarely cook eggs, so I don't, I don't know the difference like the, the runny yolk, but it's over. and It's got the white film on it, whatever that is. Yeah, so sunny yellow. side up is just a fried egg where you don't flip it. Right, because it's it's got like the white, it's like the very translucent looking white on top, and okay. then you have the very nice like orange yeah. colored yolk on top. I can't do that. I like over easy, which <laughs> is basically like where you fry it, and then instead of like leaving it unflipped, you flip it so it fries on the other side, right. and then it's totally runny in the middle, and then. Oh. One level up from that is over medium where you cook it just a little bit longer to where instead of the yolk being like super runny, it's sure. like, so it's not, it's still liquid, but Fair. it's like a thick liquid. It hasn't gone full like, yeah, cream it's not solid yet. White. Yes. Yeah. If it doesn't and like has that horrible, uh, sulfury smell yeah. from overcooked eggs, which I don't understand hard boiled eggs. I don't understand hard fried eggs because like that sulfur smell and taste is just horrible people get me. weird with eggs yeah people get weird with eggs they'll, they'll just do like 10 eggs in a pint glass and drink that down but then also they'll just eat like 10 hard-boiled eggs yeah i hate hard-boiled eggs and people i hate deviled eggs everybody gets all mad at me about okay that, with deviled eggs they're all right. like Almost one. any professional cooking book or instruction class anywhere that you do or any professional chef out there is basically going to be like hard-boiled eggs are garbage because a fully cooked <laughs> yeah. yolk is trash. That's right. like that breaks like every egg right. cooking rule in the book. But then people are like, deviled eggs are amazing. I'm like, you are garbage and your deviled eggs are trash. <laughs> like, get out of my face. <laughs> See, I like deviled eggs, but what I like more is the egg you get in like a ramen. 
Yes, I was. That's what I was trying to think of. What, it's like a, that, that's it's like a poached. Tone. What it like? No, so soft that's a, boiled. Is yeah, it? it's a pickled soft boiled egg. Yeah, I, I like that. There's a name that's for it. It's like a tonkatsu egg or something sure. like that. I yeah. can't remember the exact name, but I always get more than one. I always get extra oh, tonkatsu you're, you're like, eggs or whatever. You're like, listen, I'm gonna spend the buck fifty. Drop another egg in there. Oh, absolutely. Because like most ramen will come with either half or one. Yeah, either one half or two halves. So yeah. like a whole egg. Or whatever okay and i'm always like nope i need two whole eggs give me i want Do you have the down low on ramen in raleigh yes is there a place oh yeah dude absolutely there's a place in raleigh it used to be where i get tattooed sometimes is this tattoo shop called? sometimes yeah i mean occasionally I get, I get tattooed all over the place okay. different shops different artists and stuff but a buddy of mine uh well, he doesn't anymore, but he used to tattoo at this shop called Double Deuce. And oh, I've driven. I, yeah, I know where that is. Yeah, yeah, it's like Harrison Avenue and Maynard yeah, yeah. kind of area. There's like an auto zone over there and a bunch yep. of, there's like a mini Walmart and shit. Um, but yeah, right in that same uh, parking lot. And they're not there anymore. They moved, but that's how oh, I got introduced to that ramen spot because yeah, my yeah. buddy was like, this place has dope ramen. And I've tried ramen all over Raleigh okay. and pho, which ramen is the superior noodle soup to pho. Sorry, again, uh, get out of my face. Fa sucks compared Fuh to Ramen. has the better puns though, all the time. Like there was a there was a place we used to go to in L.A. called Nine Hundred Two One Fa, and it was <laughs> <laughs> it was that's funny. <laughs> it was in Beverly Hills, so it was. Oh yeah. my god, they yeah. yeah they went full pun on that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, in one L.A., my, you have to. It's like you won't get a license to serve pho if you don't do that. Really? Yeah, that's funny. A buddy of mine who lives in Chicago, he was always like, it would be so fantastic if there was to be a pho restaurant and it was pho king. Uh, I'm sure there has been. There, there has to be. <laughs> I know at this point, I feel like that has to be a thing, but how funny would it be to yeah. see like pho king and then yeah. people are like, it's pho and you're like, oh, the restaurant's called pho king. I get it. Fucking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so this place is called Noodle Boulevard and it's fucking oh. great now they're in carry crossroads like right yeah, near yeah, your yeah. house that's across where i've seen it from, okay uh, yeah, yeah. There's, like, the REI. Um, there's an ice cream place right now there's a cold stone or something right now. i i know where you're talking about over there it's right. not there's actually like in crossroads oh it's not in the crossroads no oh. it's not actually in crossroads you know where rei is yeah, yeah. it's right across the street oh. from rei like kind of down from the cookout and that gas station yeah, yeah, yeah. i know yeah. what you're talking about okay yeah, yeah. yeah. so try right across the street from there and I mean, they have every kind of ramen you could want. They have rice bowls. They have all kind of great shit. That's like two blocks from my house. Yeah. That's, that's dangerous. You can't be telling <laughs> me that. That's like, I literally live right there. That's like so dangerous. Yeah. So like, and, and this place is kind of cool. Like they have, um, it's like the Asian grandchildren and the Asian grandmothers. Okay. When you go in this place, it's like 90 year old Thai ladies and then their grandchildren. Perfect. Like that's who's in this place. That sounds awesome. Yeah, and all the ramen is amazing, and they ask you how spicy you want it, and I've like straight up just been like, okay, so if if one is like white people or zero is like white people spicy, how hot is the hottest? And they're like, too hot. You don't want to do that. And I'm like, okay, let let's do like, like you're too pale for this. Yeah, they'll say <laughs> out of out of uh zero to five stars, how spicy do you want it? And I'm always like. Let me do, I think the hottest I've ever done was three. And I figured out that that was a huge mistake. Out of five? Yeah. It, I don't get hot food. Like, I never have. I mean, I'm from Indiana originally. Yeah. So, like, I mean, pepper, on Midwest white people. Pepper on mashed potatoes is too much for me. So, it's That's like. That's my wife's dad, too. He's like, pepper is too much spicy. Yeah, yeah. Like, get the pepper. I'm going to sneeze and it's going to burn my tongue and I don't want it. But, like, 
like even um, sriracha, like I can't do it. Like, I can do sriracha me. as long as it's like sriracha for flavor and not sriracha for burning my asshole. <laughs> I didn't know there was a different level. I um, mean, it's just like how much sriracha do you put okay, on? It's a, it's you know amount. what I mean? Okay. Like if you put like little dribbles on there or you know what I mean? And so you're like, you're getting the sriracha flavor, but it's not like lighting you on fire. Yeah. Yeah. I will do that. Yeah. I but I yeah. see people who are over here like, spraying the sriracha on there That's like my it's wife. ketchup. Yeah. I'm like negatory. <laughs> yeah, I can't I can't do any of that stuff. It's yeah. It's it dis- it's disappointing to me, but it's also yeah. yeah, I I wish I could. Uh I have lots of friends who are like deep into peppers and love yeah. all that stuff, but yeah, I have a yeah. number of friends who are really into hot stuff. Like they like to collect hot sauces. They're always like, "I want to get the wings that are so hot, yeah. you go deaf after you eat them." Or whatever. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah, Why would you I, want to do that? I mean, I don't know. I'm like, I've done it. Like okay. I've done wing challenges, and it's like you take one bite out of the wing, and like you just immediately get flushed. You can't hear anything. Like I'm like, I down an entire yingling in like 0.2 seconds while I'm uh, sitting there. I don't get the point. I like, I honestly don't get. Is it, it bragging rights? Because like I. I have a feeling it's something like that. We could sit there and do bloody knuckles or something and like I'm fine with that, but I don't want to do like, I don't want my yeah. mouth to be. Well, because what I don't get is the, is it really enjoyable for you? You know what I mean? Right. That's it's the like, question. It's like that YouTube channel where they do the hot wings stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I just don't get it. Like I want to enjoy eating 19 They don't wings. look like they're having fun. I don't want to be shooting fire out the number the two. The back door. Layer. I mean, yeah, that's a whole, like, I'm that's just a whole not other part of it. it. Yeah. So anyway, so the Thai ladies will ask how many stars, <laughs> and I've I've more or less settled on depending on how spicy white boy I'm being, uh, sure. whether I want to do one star or two stars. If I really want to like out of five, have like a nice cozy evening in with my gigantic bowl of ramen, I'll do zero. But if I'm sure because okay. like um because like the ramen that I get, it's not a very traditional ramen. It's their chicken curry ramen. And so it's like okay. a, it's like a coconut milk curry. Um, I like the sound of that. Uh, broth base, and then it just has like all the noodles in it, and then it has chicken in it. It's like it has a chicken base broth. Yeah. Okay, I like the sound it, of that. Yeah, and it's really super good. Like the coconut milk makes it really thick and rich, and then like a tom like, ka kind of situation. I'm not sure what that is. It's a Vietnamese coconut soup. It's pretty tasty. That Actually, sounds I think it's good. Thai. I think it's Thai. Yeah, go to um, go to the pad, go to the Thai. Indian Thai place um, off of Maynard over by that Taco Bell. I can't think of the name of the area. Is but it the Himalayan Nepali? No, no. It's near that though. It's it's That um, place is lit. Yeah, that place is amazing. This place is off of like Kildare and Maynard. Oh, a whole Thai other spice side or something like thing. that. Yeah. I think I've heard of it, but yeah. I haven't had it. And they have amazing like Tom Ka and Pad Thai. Their Pad Thai is out of control. Okay. I'm super into Pad Thai. Rachel's super into Pad Thai because she's... Um, She's gluten free. Oh yeah, yeah. and pad thai because yeah. the noodles are rice noodles. They also have this dope thing where they like take these gigantic jumbo tiger shrimp, slit them open, stuff them with crushed up fried chicken for some reason. Okay, and then bread the whole thing and drop that in a fryer, and it probably takes a year off your life. Okay, but it's amazing. Okay, it, yeah. I mean, I'm it's, sold. Yeah. I'm like getting all hyped up now. I'm yeah, like, yeah. You gotta yeah. go. You gotta go get it. It's it's incredible. We'll go there. It's uh, it's really yeah. Good. You walk in, they're really it's it's like you know it's a really good Thai place when you walk in, they're rude to you right off the bat. And you like gotta, you gotta like navigate <laughs> what you want? how to deal with them. Get yeah. the fuck out of here. Right. You're like, <laughs> I just want to give you money and take my shit and go. I know. Yeah. 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 Um, 
but yeah, this ramen is just super dope. And I think what I figured out is like each star is how many spoonfuls of chili oil they put okay. in. Okay. Yeah. Because like you're if cracking I, the code. Yeah. Because if I get the ramen and it's a zero, if, if if you eat it in the store, you can't tell. But it, like if you bring it home, they put the they put the noodles oh, in comes one to thing. And then they put the the broth in a totally different thing. Gotcha. And so by the time you get it home, it's like kind of separated. You got to mix it up. But you can see like yeah. how the oil, the chili oil is like orange colored and it's separated. You can see your from, destruction swirling yeah. on the top. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. But you can see like the orange oil swirling around in this very yeah, yellow Yeah, it stands out. Broth. You can see it. Yeah. And, you know, if I get zero, there's no orange in it. But if I get like a one or two there's more and more of this orange swirling around in it after I like mix it up and stuff. But yeah, it's so good. It's like curry chicken noodle soup and it's just so it. good. And yeah. like after I'm done eating it, I'm so full and I'm so warm. And <laughs> the I'm day so is happy. over and I'm just like, put me to bed. Yeah. Yeah. I get <laughs> I'm it. Done. I get it. Yeah. That's good yeah. stuff. Yeah. But no, it's super good. All right. Well, on that note, what beer are you drinking over there? All right. I, I have been practicing the name of this beer for yeah. like the last hour because I'm trying to make sure I say it right and I'm almost 100% sure <laughs> that I'm going to fuck it up. Uh, but what I am drinking is a beer that my wife surprised me with and uh, pleasantly surprised. It's pretty tasty. It's from Brewery Omegang. Did I say it right? Omegang. 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 Yeah, because yeah. yeah. it's O, it. like the letter... Meh, like the beginning of a word that starts with meh. I can't think right now. It's not me, so it's not oh me gang. Right, meh. It's like a meh. Just so, meh. Oh meh gang. Yeah. And then gang like a group it's of It's a funny people. word. Yeah, yeah, that's what it says on their website. Belgium. Oh my gang. Yeah. So it's from Gr- Brewery Oh gang in Copperstown. Coop- Cooperstown. I'm done. Where baseball's from. Cooper, is that really where baseball's from? I think, I mean, I've heard people say that. I, oh, I, I don't know. So. Uh, from Cooperstown, New York, which you apparently know where that is. Yeah, I've been there. Um, and it's called Neon Rainbows, a hazy IPA. And uh, as also, soon as, also kind of Argyle feeling. Yeah. There's a so, similarity in these two. Yeah. yeah. When my wife first brought it to me, my first kind of reaction to it was, oh, this is like a neon Harlequin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's a little—it's a little more like like a like a neon uh, argyle, like you just said, than a neon harlequin. Yeah, but it's a really cool can. I mean, it's got like a tan. It's like the '80s baseball card hologram of argyle. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I mean, it definitely has this like I don't know what it's called, like um, when they heat treat. Uh, stainless steel to make it change colors. Oh, yeah. You know yeah. what I'm talking about? It's got like that kind of a deal going on where each one of the triangles is like a fade. So it's like most of the can is this sort of khaki kind of color. It's a right. fratty khaki kind of color. Right. And then each of the different triangles or diamonds, it's like a or it's like a yellow to pink fade and then there's like a bluish turquoise green to yellow orange fade and then there's I was going to say we'll put up a photo, but I don't think there's any way that can be captured in a photograph. No, because it has this kind of like pearlescent color changing kind of yeah. thing going on to it, but not really. I would love a car that color. I would drive that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like I, I feel like 
I've always thought it would be really cool to have a Carlos painted pearlescent, but I don't know that they could do the colors that I would want. Because what want colors it, would you want? I would want it to fade from like a really deep blue purple to like a really bright burnt orange, like a burnt bronze. Maybe kind of color. I don't know, like, I I don't know if they could do that. Or do that. that. Yeah, but that would either. definitely be a wild. I mean, that's the kind of thing you could do on like Need for Speed Underground. <laughs> when you're like yeah. making your yep. own car and like making yeah. goofy ass colors that could never exist. I mean, and, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so back to this Amaga Gang yeah. Neon Rainbows Hazy IPA. From Cooperstown, New York. That's right. The I home, like it. The home of I, baseball. I like it. Allegedly. 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 Um it has a description on here, which I'm gonna read. Let's hear it. It says Neon Rainbows bursts with hop driven notes of tropical fruits, citrus, and hints of pine. Okay. The hops include citra, mosaic, simico, centennial, and topaz. The first round of dry hopping is citra and mosaic, followed by the second round of topaz and simcoa. Interesting. Um I pretty mean, standard, pretty standard hops. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I actually more or less pretty closely agree with yeah. their assessment here of what this is supposed to taste like. So it says hop driven notes of tropical fruits and citrus, hints of pine. Uh, absolutely. Like it yeah. doesn't have that super stank kind of right, like, right. kind of like weed hop jam going on. Um, I don't feel like it has a lot, a lot of tropical fruit and citrus. Um, but hop driven and piney, hundred okay. percent agree. I can yeah. see the tropical fruit and citrus. I get it. Um, it's not super duper forward, so it's right. definitely still has that like hoppiness, but without the weed stank, it has that kind of like almost like pine sap sort of kind of yeah, flavor yeah. to it. You know what I mean? Have you ever had Scottish ales? Like Scottish, they taste like pine trees. Uh yeah, I mean I've had some Scottish ales, yeah. some like wee heavies and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. More of that. Like, I've had a few. Scott. They all taste like pine trees, but it's it's just kind of an interesting. I don't know that I've ever thought that. It's really? been like a million years since I've had one. Oh though, yeah, so yeah. I, I mean, I was in Scotland, and and I had a bunch of different beers, and all of them taste like pine trees, and yeah. I don't know why that was, but yeah. Well, maybe it's maybe I had a stroke. I don't know. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> toast. Oh yeah, yeah. You or smell fudge? toast. Is it fudge or toast? No, I think you smell I think toast. toast. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's like, hmm, <laughs> does anybody smell toast? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I'm a gong. I'm a gong. I'm a gang. I'm a gang. That's it. I'm a gang. I'm a gang. Not I've known about them forever. Like I, it's when I used to, I used to live in Pittsburgh and uh, we would travel across the, the Pennsylvania, Ohio border to go to a Wegmans. I love Wegmans. Which, you know, we're we're just getting Wegmans down here, but up there it's like they've had them forever. So like yeah. we would go there and they would have an amazing beer selection. And one of the things is they would always have bombers of like really amazing Amagang beers. And some of my favorites was they the the my three favorites that they had were one, they had Gnome Gang, which I f- I want to say it was like a quadruple Belgian gnome gang. Yeah, gnome gang. The gnomes come out of nowhere and beat the shit out of you. Exactly. Which is gnome gang is uh, Amagong split up, whatever they call that, an anagram or whatever. Yes, an anagram. Yeah. I think. And then they had Three Philosophers, which is a really great beer that you can get in the Northeast very easily. Um, pretty much in any grocery store, they carry it. But my favorite beer they make is called Wit, uh, W I T T. Uh, W-I-T-T-E, 
okay. which is like some sort of it's like a like a heavy blonde ale of some sort and uh like and it's just great like i, I don't remember it's been years since i've had it probably like eight to ten years but yeah just one of the best beers i remember i went to a wedding and they had like special craft beers and they had them all set aside and they had a couple of those and i was just like it's go time <laughs> <laughs> it's go time yeah. i know people are out here being like let's get the fancy beers and right. if you came to my wedding oh man if any one of you was like i just want to grab cheap beer out of a horse trough full of ice while we're standing on the side of the mountain ready to get country yeah. fucked up Welcome to my wedding because that's exactly <laughs> what we did. Like I had barbecue and hush puppies and all of the shit yeah. that comes along with Carolina oh, barbecue. And I had horse troughs full of like PBR and Bud Light and Miller nice. Light and like Yingling and shit. It. Like I was just like, here's 95 cases of beer. Everyone get fucked <laughs> up. Dig in. <laughs> and, uh, we, d- we did our wedding. We were in Key West on Duval Street. Oh, that sounds cool. And we were upstairs of this really famous old school Key West restaurant. And uh, it was called 919, I think. Something along those lines. That's surprising since now you live in Yeah, the it might not be 919. It was something like that, though. I'm probably just thinking it because that's where we live now. But the, uh, the upstairs was this whole like cool bar event space area. And when we were touring it, the guy was like, hey, you know, you guys will have a fully open bar, have whatever you want, anything. It's all part of the deal. It was pretty cheap. It was like three grand for the whole night or something. Oh, but dang. That's not terrible at all. Very surprising. Including open bar and everything. Open bar for like five hours or something. This dude fucked up. Endless amount of money. I mean, uh, uh, appetizers. They just kept bringing out appetizers all night long. Yeah. Food, desserts. They made like part of a big cake for us and stuff. <laughs> and uh, so the the big part of the night was when we were kind of like getting toasty and it was like the big dance off. Everybody's partying and they're playing Come On Eileen and all that stuff. Yeah. And uh, at one point, one of my friends goes up to the bar and uh, before the evening had started, he said, everything's open bar except for that bottle up there. And it was like, Louis the 14th whiskey or something. something. Okay. Incredibly expensive. Yeah. And because that shit's like $280 an ounce or something. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, so my buddy came up and saw what it was and was like, hey, anything goes. And the owner was doing the bartending up to that point and he had stepped away and some random person came in. Oh, no. And my buddy was like, that bottle. 13 shots line it up oh, and the person's no. just like for sure and they oh, get no. like a like a step stool and climb up to the top and pull it down and just like literally do the like drag across fill 13 oh, shot glasses like the uh tom cruise and yeah the, and they're like spilling, cocktails yeah they're spilling like 200 plus dollar an ounce like whiskey across this stuff and like oh my god and he just starts handing them out dropping the shots and stuff and like it never came up but it was definitely like that was going to be an issue you know yeah 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 so the owner never came back and was like hey we talked to him i went back the next day because they had the top of our wedding cake in their freezer and so I had to go back and face them the next and, day, and knowing what happened and yeah. thinking like, oh, I'm never going to get this piece of cake back. It's going to be a thing. Right. Went back. The guy didn't mention a thing. He was just like, hey, he probably didn't notice. I'm he just fired honest. that bartender right. and, just and lost the three bar- grand yeah. and just Louis the 14th. Yeah, because um, I the only reason I knew what what the the liquor was was because my uncle had told me about it because he was at a bar in Vegas 
and somebody had ordered the last uh, ounce of liquor that was in it. And apparently there's some sort of uh, tradition where if you get the last ounce, you get the bottle and the bottles are very valuable. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. So, And this is a Vegas thing? No, I think it's like an everywhere. I think it's like part of that liquor's tradition. Like oh, okay. I think they do that everywhere. I might be uh, wrong. I don't, I don't know. know. But it was it definitely happened in that place in Vegas and he told me about it and showed me a picture of it and so like oh, cool. I knew what it was. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so but I watched her throw it in a trash can. Oh wow. <laughs> like dump the dump the liquor on the table, throw it in a trash can. Oh wow. And pass oh, out God. the shot glasses. That's yeah. very sad. Yeah, uh, somebody crazy. out there is like hurting inside. They're like crying about, about yeah. this. Yeah. Or the or it just never came up. I mean, I hope that's the case. So so but yeah, Amagang, super cool stuff. I highly recommend Wit, or it's probably pronounced Vit. If you come across it, it's like a Belgian company. So yeah, it goes that way. Yeah. From the home of baseball, Cooperstown, New York. Allegedly. Yeah. And the and I mean these these are cool. Oh, I forgot to talk about like the stuff. So I mean, of course, this is a pint, like, you know, crappier stuff. It says serve between, serve at 40 degrees Fahrenheit. That's probably the temperature of this garage right now. Probably, because I left this beer out here on the table we're recording on, because, fun fact, uh, COVID life, we record in my garage right now. So if you guys ever hear background noise and stuff like that, sorry, I'm doing my best. (laughs) We're trying very hard. We're trying so hard. (laughs) Um, And yeah, so I've left this beer out here on this table for a little while, and it's probably 40 45 degrees. It's 43 like outside. Right? Yeah. I just, checked. um, 6.7% alcohol. Not bad. So pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would say I enjoy this a lot. I would absolutely drink it again. Yeah, for sure. I like it. It's not a hundred percent right up my alley. I mean, so this is a new England style. IPA. Sure. Yeah. Um, it has a whole lot more pine in it than yeah. I feel like They don't like do a lot of most. ideas from, from what I've seen, at least. I may be wrong, but... Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. my gang doesn't? But, but again, it's been years since I've seen any of their oh, stuff okay. in stores. Yeah, I mean, it's a little more pine-forward than I feel like I think New England-style IPAs Where'd your wife get it from? I have no clue. I don't ask questions. Fair. When my wife brings me beer, Smart. I say thank you. Smart. That's, that's the way to do it. Uh, fun fact, if your wife or girlfriend ever brings you beer... Just thank you. Just say thank you. That's all you got to do. And take it and eventually drink it and then tell her how great it was. It was delicious. Which, I mean, she scored on this one. She did. Yeah. You know, this She'll is great. She'll get a shout out. We'll oh, put absolutely. Her, yeah. We'll put her name in the show notes. Give her a little <laughs> shout out. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I would absolutely drink this again. And I would love to try more stuff from these guys. Like, I this would, is great. So I know um, the Total Wine over by in the Crossroads. Yeah, yeah. They have a couple... I saw them when I was over there the other day. They have a couple things. Yeah. So I would highly recommend at least getting at Three Philosophers. I think okay. think they only sell them in like the 22 bombers. Yeah. I would highly recommend grabbing one. Okay. Yeah. I'll I'll have to check that out. So are you familiar with uh, the term soft open? Like if a place has a soft open, do you know what that is? Yeah. Okay. So if a restaurant has a soft open, you know, whatever, they invite a couple of their friends and they just have a kind of easy night to begin with. Yeah, like a uh, buddy of mine was the bar manager at um, Organza. Their original location was in Durham. And so like okay. when they did the soft open on the Ganza in uh, Cary. 
Okay. You know, the one over there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Where like the, that weird movie theater where you can eat dinner and shit is. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like we went in there like two or three times and had free dinner because they were like trying out the cooks and and making sure that the menu is ready and getting free drinks and having the bartenders practice and shit. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's, that's literally what a soft open is. Uh, when you're kind of trying to figure things out and place like how things are going to work. And that's what basically our dealing with COVID is right now for the apocalypse. So we're kind of doing a soft open for the end of the world. We're cool. Yeah. We're poking around. We're figuring it out. Well, there's been so many memes around where it's like, if you imagined what you would do during the walking dead, Right. You're doing it right now. Exactly. Yeah. Like you're just hanging out at home and watching Tiger King. I know. You know, and so the soft open of the apocalypse with COVID has kind of been obviously a big deal for all of us this entire year where we've been locked in our houses trying to figure out this pandemic and we're looking at, you know, now new strains are coming around and all these super terrifying things with the vaccine. COVID version two. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh, What is it? Uh, COVID-2 electric boogaloo is is on the way. (laughs) Oh, my uh, God. (laughs) Right. And so so some younger people like, uh, you know, Generation Z, millennials, a lot of them are kind of getting their first taste of what a soft open to the apocalypse can be. You know, Apocalypse 2020 looks like. Yeah. So going back to like my younger generation, like when I was a kid, uh, you know, early, early nineties, late eighties, you know, I had people like my grandfather who was constantly convinced that the cold war was going to blossom into a full nuclear explosion any minute. Yeah. Duck and cover nuclear winter. Soviets are going to launch bombs from, uh, yeah, Cuba. Yeah. Cuban missile crisis, all that kind of crap. 100%. I mean, my parents were straight up convinced that, the nuclear apocalypse was coming any minute, you know, and this was before Y2K. And so, yeah, my family built up to Y2K being this actually really big problem. Like we all thought it was going to be serious. I mean, I remember being a kid and people being like, Oh God, or is it going to be, you know, new year's 1999. Right. Is it going to, are the clocks going to turn and all the lights are going to go out? Like the banks are going to shut down. Like everybody was like freaking out about it. Yeah, like so it was it was a real concern. There were there were actual people out there that were worried about it on a on a basis leading up to it. And yeah. they were scared. There was a lot of a lot of scary stuff happening. I mean, in the back of certain magazines, there were like prepper food and preppers weren't a thing like they were now. Like preppers were guys who went to gun shows and they had like MREs stacked up in their garage. Yeah, they had like you when you go to gun shows, you can buy those little like radiation monitoring yep. kits and stuff like that. Yep, one hundred percent, exactly. You can get iodine pills and yeah, and shit. Yeah. yeah, and the 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 life straws and like the different ways. Oh, and, life straws are so cool! If you do any kind of outdoorsy shit, you should have a couple of life straws. Definitely have life straws. They're they're worth every penny. So so yeah, so Y two K was an actually was a really big fear, and for people who were turned in or turned in tuned in to the uh, whole apocalypse theme and people who were more tuned into conspiracy theories, the whole Y2K lead up was really pushed by Alex Jones and like Infowars coming up at that time. Yeah. Very early days. If you tuned in to Alex Jones on uh, December 31st, 1999, you were treated to uh, a couple hours of him 
sitting in a studio talking about how planes in Germany were falling out of the sky. As the time zones were changing, nuclear uh, energy plants were exploding. He was talking to people in Colorado and Seattle, and he was bringing them on the show. And all of these people were like, oh, yeah, mushroom cloud in my backyard. This is happening. <laughs> what? Yeah, and Alex Jones was straight up like, oh, oh my, my God, God, we're all dying. This is happening. And he went on for hours just saying that ATM machines were exploding, skyscrapers were falling out of the sky, and like all these big problems were happening. And he just kept going and going and going all December 31st, 1999. Uh, and people got freaked out. It was kind of like a... For the conspiracy theory group, it was a little bit like War of the Worlds back in the day with Orson Welles. Like, yeah, like live on the because Orson, yeah, because what you're saying is Orson Welles did yeah. a live reading where he right. read War of the Worlds over the radio, right? For people who didn't know that that had happened, and people uh, were worried there was a scare that the aliens were actually landing. They didn't understand, yeah, and so people that were listening to Alex Jones thought. Planes were falling out of the sky. And ATMs was were this like an entertainment thing? Was he doing it like as a jest or was yeah. he over here being like trying to make people think the apocalypse was like upon us? He was being Alex Jones is what he was doing. You know, so, so being a huge douche. Right. You know, and and <laughs> even even to today, like last year, Alex Jones was in front of a, a judge and said that there's no way people can construe what he's doing as news or opinion like he's clearly a character i don't believe that i think there's absolute people who believe every word that he yeah. says yeah but i mean that's what he said in front of a judge and then when people point that out to his listeners they say oh that was, he was just putting on an act you know so but anyways yeah i mean you can go to youtube right now and just search you know alex jones december 31st 1999 and if you want a really interesting take on it uh there's a really amazing video of bill cooper or a recording of bill cooper from january 1st 2000 going over what alex jones was saying and you know bill cooper is kind of the godfather of conspiracy theories he wrote behold a pale horse he's looked at as like the king of conspiracy theories by people like Wu-Tang Clan and all these really yeah. influential rappers. Big dude, some people should pay, should pay attention to him. And he tore Alex Jones apart on this radio show. That's awesome. Just made fun of him for three straight hours. And, uh, you know, Alex Jones got away with it. He kept doing his thing and kept doing, you know, kept going on doing the same sort of thing. And, you know, people just kind of ignored Y2K. They, they realized the end of the world didn't happen and they just moved on and then 9-11 happened you know and so 9-11 came in and there was a lot of people that thought after these airplanes smashed in these buildings there was going to be nuclear war like right after that yeah you know? well i mean that's basically what got us into uh afghanistan yeah. was this whole fear that you know the buildings coming down were the precursor to something way worse yeah i, I mean and it was a pretty safe thought to have. Like if you go back and look at all of the media, people were being fed up to that point and look at um, fictional media, look at all of the books and movies that were coming out through the eighties. There was a lot of kind of apocalyptic fiction that was brewing, you know? Yeah. I mean, and especially if we look back at, you know, cold war era, Cuban missile crisis type stuff, people were just, you know, the year before getting yeah. fucked up about, um, about Y2K. Yeah. How easily, like, 
how little number of, you know, mental and moral backflips you would need to do to believe that 9-11 was the precursor to, you know, nuclear weapons destroying the world, you know? Yeah. And this is pre-social media. So, I mean, people weren't even like on Twitter riling each other up, you know? Yeah. They just needed Alex Jones to be like, right. Nuclear wars coming this time for sure. Yeah. You can believe me this time. And he did that a lot. Yeah, for sure. And so, and I mean, I highly recommend going back and listening to that YouTube of him talking about Y2K happening. It's really eye-opening and crazy, you know, and it's, it's, it's worth a listen. Yeah. Um, I'll have to check it out. Yeah. So, you know, and, and it, it reminds me a lot of like my family during that time is, you know, my family weren't these kind of apocalyptic people, but my parents directly were very kind of like biblical revelation kind of people. Like they were like fire and brimstone. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Like, and they weren't even religious. They just really thought like the religious apocalypse was going to happen and they didn't go oh, to wow, church. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, so they just... That's a little backwards. It is. I think they had just accepted that stuff was messed up and something was very wrong, and it was coming to be fixed. Sure. You know, somebody was going to set it straight. Okay. And, yeah, they just ran with that. And so they had this whole idea that there was going to be this gigantic kind of flipping of, of how things were going to work. And the bad people were all going to go to hell. Good people were going to be go to heaven. In the meantime, a lot of people are going to be stuck in the middle. And it was going to be like a left behind. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they were, they were very much into like the whole left behind thing because they, my parents loved that book series. And I was always just like, this is dumb. Yeah. I got, um, I got mono and read the entire left behind series in like, uh, in like, uh, <laughs> like a couple days. That's hilarious. It was, I think it was, thir- I think it was 13 books fitting number. Holy crap. Read the whole thing in a few days and it was just garbage, just garbage books. Um, fun little storyline, but you could have told the whole thing in two books. 50 pages. Yeah. I mean, yeah, not even two books. Yeah. Okay. So if you look at the whole biblical apocalypse and the history of it, which really goes back, I mean, to biblical times <laughs> to not to not play that short but going all the way back to uh 66 AD which is the first time that somebody really said the world is going to end that was the point where they were like this is going to happen world's ending keep in mind this is after Jesus came and went you know on that timeline that they discuss and there was a dude so this is still before or around the same time as like Mayans and all that uh, this would be, this would be, uh, before Mayans. Okay. So 66 AD. So there's a guy, Simon Giora, Giora, uh, G I O R A. He came around and decided that the, there was a, there was a Jewish uprising hap- happening at the time against the Romans. So the Jewish people were getting together. They were fighting Romans, fighting against all of this. And he looked at that and looked at some of the uh, writings from the Bible, and he absolutely decided that this was the end time battle predicted in Revelations. And he went around. He got a lot of people very, very interested in that. And of course, it wasn't the end times because we're here still now. And since that point, going back to sixty six A.D., it has just been a constant, ongoing stream of people predicting when things were going to happen. And uh, so. I'm going to go through and just kind of like highlight a couple of the big ones because 
you can literally look every year there's been one. Yeah. So I'm just going to hit the big guys. Okay. So uh, the first real kind of moment where everybody came together, like a lot of society was 1000 AD. Um, you know, everybody thought the big 1000 was going to be a big thing, just like 2000 with Y2K. People, one Y1K, I guess. Yes. <laughs> YK. Yeah, so it was a thousand years after Jesus died or was born, I guess. A thousand years after Jesus was born. And so they figured... No, I thought AD was... After know, death. Yeah, that's yeah. not what the actual Latin words are, but... Right, and that's what they tell you to, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So the year a thousand came and nothing happened. And so they all got together, looked at the books, did some reading and got back down and they said it would actually be a uh, thousand thirty three, which would be, uh, you know, the year after a uh, thousand years after Jesus died. We're just going to push this back long enough to make a really nice bottle of scotch. Yeah. Thirty three years. Bump yeah. It back I mean, a little, you know, you know? It, it'd be all right. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and then uh, uh, so a little bit after that. Uh, obviously nothing happened. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to keep saying nothing happened. Obviously nothing happened. Obviously, you know, happened. we don't know that we, we don't, we could be all dead right now. It's hard to tell. It is, yeah. Um, whether we're in a matrix or what's happening. So, uh, Pope innocent, the third, uh, came around and he said that the world would end exactly 666 years after the rise of Islam, which happened in 618 AD. So basically, uh, 1,284 AD. I wonder where he got those numbers from. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, there's a lot of this numerology where people just kind of put numbers together out of nowhere where they're like, yeah, you know, the year 1,000 happened. And then if I add 33 for how old Jesus was, 666 for, you know, the mark of the beast, and then 18 for a good year of Glenn Levitt, we're at 2020, you know, so like people just do this, <laughs> you know, and, and it's, and it's not surprising. And then, you know, but during this whole time frame, the world's still crappy, like bad things are happening. So, you know, in the 1300s, mid 1300s, you know, the bubonic plague came through, which, you know, we're, we're familiar with the, uh, with the, uh, soft open of the bubonic plague now with COVID. Yep. And, uh, from 1346 to 1351, the black death, black death came through and basically killed one out of every three people in the world. And so a lot of people were coming around and saying, this must be it. This is the apocalypse. And, I mean, honestly, maybe it was. I mean, one out of three people dying is a lot. That's a fuck ton of people. 33% of everyone. Yeah. Died. I mean, think of every room you've walked into. If one out of three people died in that room, I mean, it I mean, would it'd be end, almost 3 billion people if it was today. Yeah. It, it would end every way you know of thinking about the world today. I mean, first of all, just think about cleaning up all those bodies. I mean, that would be massive. Yeah. And back then... Obviously, there weren't as many people. I, I don't know how many people there were in 1,300. Definitely not 7 billion. Yeah. But still, one out of three of them dying is a big problem. Oh, in my head, I was like, it's got to be approaching 9 billion now or some shit. I haven't looked in a long time. I think it's like 7 and 7.6 or somewhere. Yeah. Because that, that so when we were kids, it was 6. Yeah. It, that was the big number, 6 billion. Yeah. But now it's like 7 and some change It's going to be like 12 next week. It just keeps going. I mean, yeah. 
Humans definitely reproduce that fast. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody was basically saying the Black Death was the end of the world. Uh, and it wasn't. Just a lot of people died and it was horrible. Uh, and we got a little bit better at fighting disease. But then the uh, the non-Ninja Turtle Renaissance painter Botticelli uh, came out of nowhere in 1504 and stated that uh, it was definitely going to be the end of the world. Uh, most likely just because he was mentally ill. But everybody listened to him because he made that really cool painting of the Virgin Mary coming out of the shell in the in the ocean. And so I don't know that I can put my mind's eye on that one. The that specific painting? Yeah. I'll have to go, I'll have to go look it up. Yeah, you would it's instantly recognizable. You would see okay. it and be like, oh, it's that it's, one. Yeah, exactly. Sick. So I mean, this guy was like he was on the short list of Ninja Turtle names and he just didn't make it. But he was he was definitely Botticelli would have been a good Ninja Turtle. It's a good name. Yeah. I wonder what weapon he would have. Okay, if Botticelli, Botticelli was a Ninja Turtle, what weapon would he have had? Throwing stars? No. A pressure cooker full of BBs. I you keep saying Botticelli and I'm over here like Botticelli, like the <laughs> like the Bertolis. Wait, did one, didn't one of the Ninja Turtles have throwing stars? No. No? None of them had that? Yeah, well, I mean, I haven't read every single Ninja Turtles comic ever, so I can't say that none of them had Ninja Stars, but that yeah. to me is more of like a ninja accessory. It does seem Than it way. is like an actual well, ninja we had nunchucks, weapon. The staff. Yep. Sword. Yep. And Psy. And the size, yeah, that's yeah. what it was. That was the fourth one. So, yeah, and there's a bunch of other ninja weapons that they could have used. Maybe so. like a pike, like the long thing. Oh, like the... um. Like from that movie, The Last Samurai, where he's yeah, got like exactly. the, the staff with the spear with the like tiger flag hanging on it. Exactly. And stuff yeah. Like that. Uh, maybe it's too big to run around this in the in the sewers. In the sewers with. with. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it maybe would have been like a flail or something. A flail would be pretty good. Or I don't know. That would still be too similar to the staff. See, this is probably yeah. what Kevin Eastman and I'm blanking on his name right now. Layered. The other right, yeah, layered. layered. Yeah. Um, had like a hard time. They were like, what weapons? You know, like, I don't know. It's funny. Like we probably, we, we ascribe that they were sitting around like trying to figure this out, but they were probably just like, whatever, write it down. Who gives a shit? Yeah. <laughs> well, fun fact, the very first, um, it's actually impossible to authenticate an original version of the very first episode of Ninja Turtles. You mean issue like the black and white comic? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I'll tell you why. It's because it was um, hand-drawn on computer paper and then wow. reproduced and collated and stapled at Kinko's. Cool. So That's awesome. it's impossible to authenticate. The artists can't even authenticate yeah. an original. I had a ton of the, the early ones. And then I always thought it was so weird that they became like the pizza-eating cartoon thing. Yeah. It always there, weirded me out. Yeah. There was also only three Ninja Turtles originally, and they were black and white. And then yeah. the second version of the Ninja Turtles, there was still three. Yeah. But they were nar they were noir style. It was all um, right. it was all red and then black and white. Yeah. Um, and then I can't remember when they added the fourth turtle. There was a girl turtle at some point. And then in the nineties when they tried to childify it is when they were like, We gotta be able to yeah, right. tell each other apart so we're gonna make <laughs> them different colors and, and shit and the original comic was real brutal they killed people it was I yeah, yeah it was, it was cool. i i don't know how well my parents didn't really have a say in it i just brought them home from the comic store but like i just remember reading right it, and it was great you know it was that and uh 
Ronan and Cub was the other big comic that I really I've never liked. heard of that one. Oh, it's it was the exact same style, except it was like a guy carrying around a two year old. And he was like interesting. He was like this brutal killer who had no master and he was going on doing his thing. Okay. Great. Yeah. I might okay. have if I have I'll go through my old stuff. I think if I have some, I'll bring them over to you. Um, anyway, back to the Botticelli apocalypse shit. <laughs> right. So Botticelli doing his thing. Um, and then after that, we had, uh, you know, Martin Luther, the dude who uh, nailed his thesis to the door. Yeah. Big who guy. founded the Lutheran Protestantism yeah. sort of dude. So he, uh, he decided that the end of the world would occur no later than 1600. Like he was, he went on the record. He was very adamant about this. Um, and obviously, once again, didn't happen. Um, and even Christopher Columbus came around and he put forth his own theory that the world was created in 5,343 BC. Uh, I, I'm not entirely sure how he came up with that number, uh, but he was also very adamant that the world would last exactly 7,000 years. And so if you remove the year zero, that means that in the year 1658, everybody was done. And so like what I wonder about that one is were people sitting around in 1658 being like, did we take the zero away? Did we add the zero back? Is the world going to actually end next year? You know, it's just, it's all of these things again are numerology shifting numbers around trying to figure it out and just on and on and on. And you can randomly just pick any number between zero and like the mid 1800s. And there would just be some sort of, pope or preacher or king or some dude talking about how the world was going to end in a couple years uh in biblical fire and it would suck um and it really it didn't end in the mid 1800s there's still people today saying the exact same thing we've just gotten a lot more creative with it these days so like we've kind of pushed aside the whole like oh the angels are going to blow the trumpet and the doors are going to unfold and everybody's going to die it's We've actually kind of like gotten into it a little bit more. And so in 1910, uh, the first real kind of like non-Jesus apocalypse idea came around at the hands of uh, Camille Flammarion, which is a pretty amazing name, who said that the appearance of Halley's Comet would, would, and this is a direct quote, would impregnate the atmosphere and snuff out all life on the planet. But not the planet itself. The planet would be fine. And if you took the comet pills that Flammarion was selling, you would be protected against the the uh, toxic gases. Uh, sick. This so, dude, is this the first like pyramid scheme? Uh, <laughs> I don't, it, it's probably pretty close. Like, to, let me sell you some fake shit because right. comet toxic killing people shit. Dude made some good money off of it. Did so he? for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was it was pretty easy to sell that kind of stuff back in the day. You could just be like, hey, your humors are bleeding out. And people are like, oh my God, give me snake balls to put on my face. And it just worked. <laughs> and like snake balls. and everybody's just like, yes, here's a dollar, which was like a hundred dollars. Yeah. Then. It was a ton of money. Right. So then so that was 1910, jumping forward a little bit. On December 21st, which keep in mind December 21st, because that comes up a lot. 1221 is a really big 
theme for the apocalypse. Okay. Always returns. Uh, you know, that may be a predictor because, you know, 1221, that was, uh, you know, the Mayans, everything else is like, you know, this, this is, it's all in that realm. Okay. So December 21st, 1954, uh, there was a woman named Dorothy Martin who led a UFO cult called the Brotherhood of the Seven Rays, which amazing band name. Uh, and they were absolutely convinced that the world would be destroyed by terrible flooding on December 21st, 1954. Um, and yeah, they went all the way up until that date, telling everybody they knew, going through cities, putting up signs, shouting from rooftops, world's going to end. And then obviously December 22nd, 1954 came around and, you know, no horrible flooding. And there's a really amazing book called When Prophecy Fails, which I would highly recommend to people. See, now that's a great song name. When Prophecy Fails? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so the book, When Prophecy Fails, great song name, uh, uh, outlines exactly what happened to the Brotherhood of the Seven Rays, which I don't know. I like that name. So it outlines what happened to them after their prediction of the world would end. So they basically go through and talk about how they all turned on each other. Everything, you know, everything changed and it was great. So, I mean, not for them, but for readers who <laughs> right, want something right. entertaining, it was great. So yeah. So December 21st repeatedly comes up with Mayans, preachers, floods, aliens, all that stuff. This is one that John, you've brought up to me many times. Uh, the the Mayans. Yeah. December 2012. This is a favorite, uh, a favorite of the podcast. And uh, so well, I got all nervous that day. <laughs> it, I mean, we all were. I was working in a warehouse in Compton. Uh, I worked for a mountain bike company. Nice. And uh, I was their digital marketing guy. And it was that day. And we had tried to talk the guy into giving us the day off. And he uh, he wouldn't. And we were sitting around like, just kind of keeping our heads down, like listening to the news, wondering what the hell was going on. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we all knew nothing was going to happen, but did we all know nothing was going to happen? It was like, it was kind of weird. Yeah. It was definitely kind of a weird. Yeah, no, I, I definitely got a bunch of weird feelings that day. Like I was two years post-college. I went to my, yeah. Some of my fraternity brothers house to like have New Year's Eve shit. Okay. I can remember like, laying on or like sitting on this like really weird multicolor velvet 70s couch pullout cool. that they had for some reason and then just like i don't know just get like getting kind of freaked out yeah you know what i mean like i was sitting there i was kind of halfway probably frat boy level hammered and i was sitting <laughs> on this couch and i was just like we're all gonna die <laughs> I, 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 pretty much and like i was like i don't remember did i fall asleep at midnight, did I wake up? Like, what happened? Am I alive? Like, did we die? Did everything blink out of existence, but then reappeared? And like, I was like, I like, I don't know. I was like asking yeah. myself all these like psycho questions. Where I was sure, just like, yeah, it was a weird day. Like, What's going on, man? I'm freaking out. There were, yeah, exactly. There were a lot of <laughs> kind of like, I'm gonna put up some air quotes here. Normies <laughs> who, who even that day they were like. What's going on? And just kind of. Do you yeah. know what's happening here today? What's 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 going on? Just walking around Target. Hey, Karen. Do you know what's going on? I don't know what's going on. Yeah, but something's weird. Yeah, like it felt a little weird. I wonder. 
you know, I, 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 I haven't looked, I don't know, but I wonder if on that day, if like the stars were aligned a little weird or if like there was some sort of like, I don't know, I don't fully buy into that stuff, but like, or if the minds just did their math wrong and it was supposed to be 2021. Yeah. So, so let's get into that. So, um, researchers today, like as of today, 2020 are basically saying that the end of the calendars, which they were called like Bactoons, that was, uh, I'm probably pronouncing it horribly wrong. So the, the Bactoons were the cyclical calendar. So like every once in a while, the calendar would end, a new one would start. And the way the Mayan calendar was planned out was it was a long calendar, like thousands of years. And so when it ended, it was the end of the 13th Bactoon. So like, obviously there were 12 before that going all the way back to prehistory. And, you know, they cyclically scale, like, you know, cycle through these things. So it's very much like the way our calendar is now. So like if we took our Gregorian calendar that we use and look at it, January, February, March, you could carry that on for forever. Right. You, You could literally like just like put it in Excel and keep dragging and it would go on for all of eternity. Right. Um, and there wouldn't be a point where it would end. The, the Mayan counter is very similar. So the cycles could just keep repeating. And there, there didn't seem to be research. Okay, and I'm air quoting this again. Researchers today feel like there was no ending that was supposed to happen at the end of the 13th. It was basically the Mayans just saying like, we're out of stones on a wall to draw this on. Exactly. Like, like it's 2012. Like they're like in like 600 AD and they're like, do we really need to keep going with this? Do like, we need you guys uh, get the 600 gist, right? and however many years of calendars right. on the wall? Right. They're like, listen, we're dying now. I don't what? even have my calendar from this year. Right. Much less. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean like, if I, I didn't have know. my phone, I wouldn't have a calendar. At all. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so, uh, so basically, there's this uh, Mayan scholar named Mark Van Stone who said, uh, there's nothing in the Mayan or Aztec or ancient Mesoamerican prophecies that suggests that they prophesied a sudden or major change of any sort in 2012. So he's pretty convinced that it was BS. And so he's saying the notion of a quote-unquote great cycle coming to an end is completely a modern invention. And in 1990, Mayanist scholars Linda Scheel and David Friedel argued that the Maya did not conceive this to be the end of creation, as many have suggested in the past. And so, but going back to, to the 1500s, people have used that dating of the end of the Mayan calendar as like a big problem. And so then we have to ask, like, are these scholars just saying that to say that? Like, what's the purpose behind why they're saying that? Because there's other thoughts to it too. Well, I mean, end of the world since what? 66 BC? Yeah. Pop culture. Sure. It's cool. Right. You know, why not? Yeah, exactly. We'll find a thing. Hey, there's this really obscure calendar that the Mayans had (laughs) that ended this day. That'd be a sick time to say the world ends. Right. You, You know what I mean? Like, yeah, hit I, like, hit subscribe, jump on it. <laughs> hit that bell button, make sure you get notified, slap like now. <laughs> yeah, slap exactly. Slap like on my 2012 theory and yeah, like I don't know. 100%. Yeah, so so they spent those, specifically those three scholars, Linda Shield, David Friedel, and Mark Van Stone, spent a lot of time basically poo-pooing the whole idea of, you know, the world was going to end and the minds thought that was an ending and and the Mayans considered it the end of the Bactoon. 
And, you know, a lot of people buy that as like, yeah, it was just a cycle and it ended at that point. But there's a whole other possibility because uh, there's a thing called the Tortuguero Monument in Tabasco, Mexico. So Tabasco, like sauce, down in Mexico. Uh, And inside of this gigantic location, there's a thing called, well, I mean, it wasn't called at the time, but the people, the archaeologists who have found it have dubbed it Monument 6. And it's one of the big uh, descriptions of the 13th Bactun. And so there's actually a poem carved into this monument um, along the base. And here's what it says. It will be completed, the 13th Bactun. It is four, a jaw, three, konkin. No idea what any of that means. Uh, and, and scholars don't know what that means. It's just a row of gibberish. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's not gibberish. They know what it meant. We don't know what it meant. And below that, it says, and it will happen a seeing. It is the display of Bolan Yakte and a great investiture. Investiture meaning, you know, issue, like problem. And so the real question is when you go back and you look at that, and we'll post this little poem over on, we'll put it on Patreon and Twitter or whatever. When you look at that, there's a, there's a line right there that stands out that's um, Bolan Yakte, which again, probably pronouncing that wrong. Sorry, correct me on social media, please. Uh, so what is Bolan Yakte? So not much is known about the god Bolan Yakte. We know he was a god because of the way he was depicted. Um, according to an article by uh, Minus Marcus Eberell and Christian Prager in the British Anthropological Reports, his name is composed of the elements nine, like the number nine, Octae, uh, and God. Uh, confusion in classical period inscriptions suggests that the name was already ancient and unfamiliar to contemporary scribes when they were using when they were creating these engravings. So, all the way back to like when people were making Monument Six in Tabasco, they're basically saying that the people who carved that didn't really have a full understanding of what this God represented. They just knew that it was, you know, nine and God. And so he also appears in all these other inscriptions from Palenque, Usamacinta, and Lamar as, and he's described as a God of war, conflict, and the underworld. So he pops up in all these other engravings. Um, so he's like Mayan Hades. Kind sort of. of, yeah. So, but like it would be, Mayan Hades, if the people who were writing about Hades only knew that he was a jerk and didn't really know a lot about him. He was just this like super scary ancient thing that they heard stories about when they were a kid. Gotcha. So it's this even older kind of ancient aliens kind of like thing. And um, in a lot of these depictions where he's turned up in, in these different areas of Usamancita and Lamar, he's portrayed with a, with a rope, like a noose around his neck, like a straight up noose. And in others, he has an incense bag. And uh, together with these, it signifies a sacrifice. And these, these specific elements are symbolic of an end of cycle of years. And so his appearance wrapped up with the kind of one major uh, appearance of like the discussions of the 13th Bactun 
kind of sums up that like, yeah, maybe him showing up as a symbol of the end of cycle of years has to do with the 13th back tune. Like, you know, so there might be a lot more there than we're just thinking about and, you know, looking at. Yeah. So what you're saying is when Bolan Yakte shows up at the end of the 13th back tune, what that really means is doom coming. Party's over. Yeah. Okay. And so when he shows up, it means the cops came. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that's kind of what, that's what the illustration shows. Like whenever they show him, he's a dude messing stuff up. He's like the God of war. He's a God of conflict. And then his major connection is to the end of their calendar. So there is very much reason to think that he might be a symbolic thing, very similar to the antichrist, you know, in revelation, like he comes back, he is the dragon or the demon of the, of revelation. Who's going to, you know, overtip those trumpets and screw everything up and end the world. Right. So, uh, a lot of a lot of modern Mayan scholars say no, no, no connection. That's just not a big deal. But you know, who knows? Uh, that's very much could be there. And so, my opinion on the whole like Mayan 2012 thing. Obviously, the world didn't end in 2012. Maybe. I mean, maybe. It who knows? As far as I know, sitting here drinking a beer and talking about this, uh, it doesn't seem to be the end. But who knows? Bolognac Day could have come down and. Turn the lights off. Who knows? Yeah, it's hard to say. Maybe Bolognacte is just a, uh, you know, a lizard person wearing a cloak. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, uh, possible. I mean, I'm open to anything. And then, I mean, moving on from the Mayan apocalypse, the 2012 thing, there's lots of kind of far future predictions of what's going to happen to the world. Every hundred million years, the earth is slammed by a horrible meteor storm, which pretty much kills all life. So right. we're screwed then. Uh, I mean, and, that will absolutely happen. It's yeah. not a question really of will, right. you know, life as we know it on earth. That's happened at some yeah. point. <laughs> That's a fact. It, yeah. It's, yeah, it's not a question of when or if. It's just when. Like, yeah. is it, you know, 100 million years from now yeah. because of asteroids or is it, a number, you, I think we're going to go into what we think or yes. like what the realistic modern causes of right. the apocalypse could be. So I'm, I'm not going to say anything yeah. about that now. Let's just keep going. But I mean, you're right. There, There is a definite fuse burning on the end of the world. And if we don't get hit with these meteors in 100 million years, the sun's going to expand and eat us in 4 billion years. And the heat death of the universe is going to happen a Google years after that, Google being like, what is it, 10 with a thousand zeros after it? No, it's... I don't know. 10 with a hundred zeros, I think. Yeah, so so the world's definitely ending at some point, but it's more fun to talk about Bolan Yakte, to be honest. Yeah. So, and I mean, there's all kinds of things we could do to kill ourselves. Oh, yeah. So obviously. that to me seems way more likely. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I could step in front of a bus tomorrow. You know, <laughs> it's it's. The, well, I don't mean you. You mean global? Globally. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I I mean like not your personal right, apocalypse. Right, right, right. I mean like the extension of the extinction of everything. Yeah, humans uh, on yeah. on our Earth. The, yeah, and I mean it could be uh, COVID part two, which is brewing right now, as we see. You know, Colorado has its first case. Great. 
Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> and, uh, you know, we've been looking at that. And so, you know, that's kind of the crappy real part of the apocalypse, but there's also a very fun part of the apocalypse that, that doesn't get enough credit. And I think a huge part of my childhood was growing up watching apocalyptic films and reading apocalyptic books. Yeah. I mean, that's like basically everything I know is from that, you know? So, yeah. I mean, the first book that I ever got really got into and read all on my own in one day uh, was The Giver, which is a dystopian oh, yeah. post-apocalyptic I saw book. that movie, yeah. Yeah. I uh, love that book. It's great. Yeah, it's wild. And then like the end, he comes into a normal world or whatever it is. Uh, no, it's so the giver's the one where they can't see in color. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was and mixing so, it up with the other. Yeah. I was mixing yeah. up with a different one. Yeah. 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 That's a very weird story. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, and there's endless apocalyptic movies, books. Um, so, I mean, because I think that's a little bit more fun, let's kind of get into that. Like, you know, you love okay. that book. Yeah. Giver's a great book. What's uh what's your favorite apocalyptic movie? This one's so hard. I always have the hardest time it's when people tough. are like, "What's your favorite X?" Like if I don't have a very clear Have an one. opinion, be a man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um favorite apocalyptic movie. I know we kind of talked about this earlier and I a was little bit. I was leaning towards Armageddon which I didn't even have on my list. Oh, no, but, I, did. I did. But yeah, but now that I'm like kind of thinking about it, because sometimes Jake doesn't tell me what the questions are going to be I until a, like maybe like an hour before right. the show. I and and I can like kind of start thinking about it. It surprises me. So it's not like I have a list. <laughs> um, but I feel like there's got to be other apocalyptic movies that I like, like, um, like V for Vendetta. Great. I love yeah. that movie. That's a great movie. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's so many good... Like apocalypse. Well, type V for stuff Vendetta, didn't the government start a virus and use it to kill everybody, basically? Yes. Yeah. Actually, that's 100% true. Yeah. Yeah. And um, they were doing like genetic experiments, like yeah. the Nazis did. Yeah. Which is uh, the V, That's that was his backstory, right? He was like a super, he was basically like a super soldier. Yeah. He was in prison cell number five, ah, which oh, was, v, a, it yeah, was a Roman Yeah. Yeah. I, I read the. I read the graphic novel when I was a kid. I don't a long time ago. I don't remember. Yeah. Fully though. Yeah. But like, I mean, I, there's a special place in my heart for Armageddon. I was a kid when that movie yeah. came out. It was, you know, you just like campy Bruce Willis. Yeah. Uh, Liv Tyler was so cute. I was all in love with her. Ben yeah. Affleck hadn't turned into Benifer and became a huge douche <laughs> yeah. yet. He wasn't Batman yet. Yeah. And at the time, I mean, yeah, I was basically extremely into Metallica and Aerosmith. So when I was sure. like, Oh, Aerosmith doing the soundtrack for this. And all of a sudden it was like, I don't want to close my eyes. <laughs> I don't want to fall asleep because yeah. I miss you, baby. And I don't want to miss a thing. Yeah, you know, I was, just like, yeah. I was like, oh, yes. Aerosmith doing the soundtrack for a Bruce Willis movie. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> and I've seen the movie a hundred thousand times. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, you know, not my favorite, but it's a great movie. Like, you know, it's... I mean, it's, it's stacked with, like, great actors, too. It was. I liked... I liked how, do you remember around that time frame, like whenever there was a good movie idea, there was suddenly like the doppelganger movies. Like there was the one with Morgan Freeman where there was also the giant, uh, I think it was. Wasn't there, was, was that like some of all fears? That was the nuke movie. No, no, it wasn't a new movie. It was a straight up, like there was a comet coming and they had to blow it up. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, Deep Impact. 
Deep Impact. Yeah, Tia Leone was in it. Yeah, Morgan yeah. Freeman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he, I remember. I remember. I yeah. saw Apocalypse like nine hundred times, but I never saw De- uh, Deep Impact. Yeah, until way like a way later because that's the one where like the meteor hits the Earth, but it hits in the ocean, and it's the giant wave is gonna flood right. the whole. Earth. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, but they always did that. The like the movies, the apocalypse movies always came in twos. Like there was the yeah, there and then the, there was always like the knockoffs. Like um, I don't know. Well, not really knockoffs, but I feel like there was always like there was like one or two. There's like an apocalypse movie that was like huge, but then yeah. it was followed up by like right one, one or the two rock. or three yeah. more <laughs> apocalypse movies that were like they should have gone like direct to VHS. Oh, but yeah. they were in the theater. Yeah, you know. They would I have mean, been like direct to Netflix. R- direct to Pirates Bay. Yeah. <laughs> direct to Pirates Bay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, my personal, I mean, when I was growing up, I mean, Mad Max was hands down my favorite movie. Oh, yeah. Road Warrior. Yeah. I mean, so good. Yeah. It was, it was easily because I was like a huge car guy and the V8 interceptor with the servo with the, uh, with the supercharger. It was yeah, like the, the coolest thing yeah. I'd ever seen in my life. Like, it was. You know, and, and he has I mean, to flip the switch and the blower turns on. I'm like, ah, yeah. oh, it was sick. the coolest thing ever. So cool, yeah. And like, I wanted that car since I was a kid, you know, and it was, you know, just outstanding. And and the idea behind it of, it was a very kind of normal apocalypse. Like they didn't yeah. show the end of the world. Like no. you just kind of knew something happened. And yeah, this was like the life after. Yeah, stuff wasn't cool. Yeah. And I mean, and then they went into like number two and number three. And then Tina was, Turner. Yeah. Tina Turner's there. Ah, so and like Master great. Blaster. Master. And like, just like, <laughs> one man and no, two men enter. Yeah. One man leaves. Yeah. Thunder down. Yeah. And like who, who rules Barter Town? <laughs> like it's just like yeah, Master I mean, Blaster. They were so cool. Like it was just such a great movie. I mean, and now yeah. I guess we're not allowed to like. And I love the like anymore, leather but. chaps and the, you know, just like <laughs> yeah. the super and not. I mean, at this point, you just call that style Mad Max style. Right. A hundred percent. But like when you, you know, it, like I could just imagine people watching them, you know, in the 80s or whenever yeah. they came out and just being like, oh my God, like the leather and the skin and the yeah. weird cars weird. and the, yeah. and, you know, and the Tina Turner with the hair and the, you know, and just all of the, the that stuff. Yeah. And just being like super blown away by like how cool it was. Yeah. And like the Mad Max, the two Mad Maxes were definitely a lot more like they'd figured out they grabbed onto something cool and made them like campy and weird. Yeah. But road warrior is not that way. No. Like that movie is very serious. It's a very brute. Like it's not a fun. It really is. Yeah. It's not nearly as fun as like Thunderdome and stuff. Definitely not. No, it's, it's not like you can't really call Thunderdome goofy. It's campy, but, but it definitely is. Yeah. It's, it's culty. Road it's like Warrior, a cult they're classic. Like, they're like running over babies with motorcycles and yeah, stuff. Yeah, raping it's like, people. Yeah, like, it's like yeah, really yeah, dark. You very, know? Yeah. And like Toe Cutter is like this really like scary, scary dude, you know? Yeah. And it's not even Toe Cutter who's the scariest. Like Bubba, the number two guy, who like the younger guy is like really scary because he's the one who does all the killing and like the scary stuff, you know? Yeah. And that movie really makes you think about how people will behave after the end of the world when like cops aren't around, how, you know, how those things happen. Yeah. Like the road is a good example. Absolutely. Of road. that. Cause that's one of the most brutal post-apocalypse, like people being bad to other people kind of 
And I highly recommend the book by Cormac McCarthy. He, he wrote The Road. It's a Pulitzer yeah. Prize winning novel. It's one of the one of the one of my favorite novels I've ever written. Yeah. And the movie adaptation's great. It was really well done. And they leave a lot out of it. Like the book is way more brutal than yeah. the movie. They they do leave and I'm not one of those guys who's like, the book is always better. But like it's just different. They left a lot out, yeah. And I, I mean, mean, they have to, yeah, with books. I mean, unless they were going to make the road like a three-part series, right. which I like, mean, like the '90s when they did the stand, you know. Yeah, it's like, I mean, two hours of the road was more than enough. It's uh, plenty for a movie. It's yeah. pl- like yeah. it bums <laughs> you out. Like you're, you get the point. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, and like the road, they kind of never really talk about what happened to the world. They don't bring it up that much. Like when you read the book, you kind of realize that like a super volcano went off and and it kind of just ended everything because the yeah. the ash cloud kind of shut down stuff. And you yeah, know, you get that. Yeah. You know, so what's your favorite like of like the modern ones, like genres of the apocalypse movies? Because to me, there's like a handful, right? So yeah. there's zombie stuff where a, yeah. a virus happened. Yep. Right. Then there's technological stuff yeah. like Terminator would sure. be a good example. A zombie stuff, a good example would be like 28 Days Later or The Happening yeah. or stuff like that, which I think that was a really interesting one because it was the plants virus attacking oh, it was people. Marky, make, or was it Marky Mark? No, it was that guy who and Chris Pine. Yes. It was yeah. like young Chris Pine before he like yeah, yeah. got big and did Star Trek and shit. Yeah. Um, and then there's like uh, the stuff is going to hit the a weather thing. Like the super volcano, the oh yeah, the thing, the thing is going to hit the planet. Yep, uh, it's going to be ice age, like all those kind of ones. Yeah, um, I'm, or there's I'm, like the day after tomorrow, where like climate change snuck up on everybody. Yeah, <laughs> um, and then the knowing was that was uh that was uh Nicholas Cage when like he had that huge puzzle to do, and then all of a sudden aliens came and stole the rabbits. What? Just, just did I it. miss this? Just one? watch it. It's crazy. It's oh like a really God. weird movie. Okay. Yeah. He like so they find a uh, time capsule underneath the school, and the time capsule makes his kids start acting weird. Okay. And then all of a sudden he starts finding repeating numbers. Okay. And then all of a sudden aliens come and steal all the rabbits on the planet. It's it's <laughs> definitely weird. What? It's it's it doesn't make sense. It's not a very good movie, but it's it's fun. Yeah. Um, uh, what are the other the um the we kill ourselves with nuclear weapons? Sure, yeah. What what was the what was the one where the like the mist based on the Stephen King book? Was that the one with Marky Mark? I think I wait. Was he in an apocalypse movie? Yeah, what was, was the premise? Do you know? The premise was they were like at a cabin on a lake, and then all of a sudden, like it got really misty, and there were like weird alien bugs in the mist. Oh, I hadn't. I don't know. Oh, yeah. It's based on a Stephen King book. It's it's really messed up. I don't know. Um. Well, then and then you have other ones like Wally. You know. Oh yeah, I we hadn't just, really like, thought about that. We just overtrashed like the fun planet. apocalypse. Yeah, the stuff. fun like we just goofed around. And now we're in space. Yeah, <laughs> or like uh, Total Recall, or like the ones where people go to space instead yeah. of staying. Like Wally and Total Recall would be in the same category. Yeah, because it was uh, like yeah. world ended, overpopulated. Yeah. Or we trashed it and then people left. Yeah. Um, and then like uh, that movie that just came out on Netflix, the Midnight um, Midnight Moon or oh, whatever I haven't it's watched called. It yet. It, yeah. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it's not like A++ rank sure. great, 
but I mean, very solid watch. I had a lot of fun. Like I'll watch a C minus if it's a fun topic. Yeah. To be I honest, mean, <laughs> I didn't find the twists to be like, <gasps> you know, yeah. and like really surprise me or like grab me like a early M night Shyamalan ding dong sure, twist. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, it was good. I thought it was a great movie. I love George Clooney. He directed it too. Like I thought oh, it was really yeah. clever. It's it like him cool and the little premise. girl in Antarctica or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. I do want to watch that. Yeah. Yeah. And there's space stuff going on. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 No, I thought I, it, see I thought it was really cool. Um, and then you've got the giant monster ones. You've got like Cloverfield. Okay. Yeah. And um, uh, Pacific, Pacific Rim. Rim. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, Godzilla. Do Godzilla's count? Did he ever? Yeah. Well, I mean, he doesn't planet? destroy. Well, I mean. Pacific Rim would be similar to Godzilla. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, yeah. Um, same, same. Well, and yeah. it depends. Like, if, you, if you're thinking about Godzilla the anime, then yes, okay. because they had to leave the earth. Oh, did they? Yeah. And then they okay. come back. Um, and there's tons of apocalypse stuff in anime, too. Like, yeah. uh, people overpopulate oh, the endless. world and they yeah. have to go live on like a space station as digital beings. And then yeah. you have to be downloaded into a body they build for you to send you back to earth to do missions and shit. Like, you know, I don't know. Yeah. There's all kind of weird crap like, like that. So I just, I just finished reading this trilogy of books by a writer named AG Riddle. Who's in uh, he lives here in Raleigh. Oh, and, cool. All right. And he, so shout out Raleigh. Raleigh you, see him at, you never know. You could have run into him at Wegmans. Didn't even know. Very possible. Yeah. And uh, he's, his books are like highly advertised and very popular. He sold like a million copies of this trilogy. Um, and it's basically like aliens come and blot out the sun and the world freezes. So basically what uh, Bill Gates is trying to do right now. Yeah, exactly. With the sun blocking yeah, 100%. And so they have to like, as simple little humans, figure out how to like fight these aliens, you know? Yeah. And uh, it, man, it's it's got a twist that'll blow your doors off. Like you don't even get it. And wow, okay. the writing is okay. It's good. Like, you know, he's a decent writer. Uh, but the, even if he was a garbage writer, the twist would be worth it to read. Really? You know? Yeah. Okay. And if you have Kindle Unlimited, you can read it for free. Not not that this is a pitch for Kindle Unlimited, but uh, uh, that's how I read it. it was I mean, free, free reading. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like eight bucks a month, nine bucks a month, whatever. But yeah, anyways, highly recommend it. Great apocalypse story. Um, you know, the frozen earth, nuclear winter kind of thing is definitely like a big a big uh type of apocalypse so that's the different movies but you know when you look at actually how the apocalypse can happen you know we looked at the roads super volcano uh you know independence day we didn't even touch on which is aliens yeah yeah oh yeah aliens how did yeah. i forget we skipped over aliens entirely, which sucks. Dumb. but uh uh melancholia i don't know if you saw that movie which was bouncing around that's a whole like planet Nibiru, like this other planet swings into the solar system and smacks into Earth. Great movie. Highly what? recommend it. All yeah. right. All right. It's on I'll Netflix. Have to check it out. Highly really? recommend it. Yeah. All right. Awesome. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go put it on my list. Very weird movie, totally, totally recommend. So that was, so we've got the aliens, all that other stuff. So uh the types of apocalypses, let's just go through. I want to hear how many you can name. Oh my god. All right. So, so we'll put you to the test. All right. So, uh, aliens, aliens, um, AI technological type stuff like Terminator. Yep. Uh, global warming type stuff. Yep. Nuclear type stuff. Apocalypse. Yeah. Uh, apocalypse. <laughs> uh, end of uh, world type stuff. <laughs> end of the world type stuff. Um, no, like atomic nuclear winter. Yeah. 
uh, type stuff. Uh, zombies. Well, does that kind of combine with pandemic virus type stuff? I think so. I think in the real world, zombies and pandemic kind of get shoved together. Overpopulation. Which I think is a very real one. Yeah. Uh, I already said climate change, which makes me think of Waterworld. Yeah. I love that. That's been nominated the worst movie in history, it I has, think. Yeah, but yeah. I actually love that movie. I think it's amazing. Yeah. Um, what else? Um, well, I guess does overpopulation include like running out of food? I think so. Yeah. Okay. I think that, I think that's kind of looped in. Yeah. Um. I I don't. I think. All right. I think that's it. I'm out. Okay. I'm tapping. You're tapping out. All right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's pretty good because I mean, realistically. Hopefully only one if hopefully none of those happen. Uh, right. Right. Um, so then there's there's a bunch of other ones. Um and and I could probably literally list them all day long. So there's things like the big crunch. What's that? So the big crunch is essentially uh the opposite of the big bang. So the big bang is the universe starts expanding. Oh, this would be like a giant black hole sucks everything in and blinks everything out of existence. Essentially, yeah. Like okay. it all just immediately shrinks back down, which um, on the universe, on the scale of the universe, sucks for little ants like you and me. You Literally know? sucks. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a theory of cataclysmic pole shifting. Uh, you know, the poles sh- tend to shift sometimes. Yeah. This would um, be like magnetic poles flip flop. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. North, south flip, uh, which has happened before. Like it's happened before. And uh, horrible, horrible things happen when it does happen. You know, I mean, just massive waves, tidal imbalances, major problems. Um, you know, we talked about climate destruction, uh, ecological collapse, uh, the the idea of gray goo. That is something that's coming down the pipeline that's possible. What? Gray goo. Have what? you heard this one? No. Okay. So uh, they just call it gray goo, but it's essentially a spinoff of like AI. Uh, so when you program AI, there's a thing you can do basically where you teach the AI to to uh, replicate and continue to build other like copies of itself. Nope. Yeah, you shouldn't. Do I'm that. gonna veto that one. Highly recommend against it. Not do that. So, but one of the problems is when you teach AI to replicate, some people if they don't put in the parameters correctly, can basically unleash AI, and AI will use humans and other things to make themselves grow and what that essentially does is grind humans down into a gray goo because they use all of our pieces to make new versions of themselves i'm 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 kind (laughs) of like i'm kind of speechless i'm like what yeah yeah (laughs) so bad Highly recommend against. All right, I do not want to watch see a gray goo movie. <laughs> like, like as interesting as that sounds, like that sounds kind of like a Matrix. If we're looking at the end of the world part of yeah. the Matrix, where it's like, I think it would be a step beyond what the Matrix did. Okay, yeah, I'm not trying to see machines turn people into goo. That just sounds like a really terrible movie. Yeah. So another entire different spin off of uh, ecological problems is hypercanes. The idea that right now we have things like Hurricane Andrew and and big big hurricanes that are Category fives. Uh, there's lots of theories that as climate change continues to go in a downward spiral, hurricanes can go to Category seven, eight, nine, and they will be. And so we have like one hurricane that covers the entire of East Coast or the whole country. Sure. 
Yeah. Yeah. So 200 mile an hour winds covering half of the United States for 300 mile an hour winds. Yeah. Five or six days at a time, you know? So yeah, bad. That'd be bad. Uh, Meteors, impact events. Uh, We touched on Nibiru with the, uh, with the movie. Um, Yeah. And then uh, there's other ones that are currently in the process of happening like ocean death. You know, there's a, a large portion of the uh, coral reefs in the ocean are currently bleaching, which basically means there's no nutrients or life in them anymore. So that affects the ocean in a very, very serious way. You know, if you look at the, uh, the big reefs off of Australia and South Florida, large chunks of those are just solid white now, which means there's no life in them anymore. So they're not providing the nutrients back into the ocean. It's not guarding the the fish that live there, all those problems, uh, which again, bad. Reoxygenating, uh, reoxygenating the water. Yeah. And, you know, we're not helping that any further because of the gigantic piles of plastic that are the size of continents out in the middle of the ocean. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, and then we've got World War Three, super volcanoes, uh, solar flares, you know, uh, all of these fun things. Uh, but so let me put the question to you out of all of these things that we've discussed, all the possibilities, what do you think is the most likely way that the world's going to end? Zombie apocalypse. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, the most likely way I, I think it's going to be a blend of global warming and overpopulation. Because I think those two things are going to hit each other at the same time. I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I think that's pretty much where it's going, you know. Yeah. And, and, and I think the only one that could beat that would be uh, nuclear war because it's possible that by the time we actually yeah. get to the part where in the process of us getting to, you know, uh, climate destruction and overpopulation at the same time, we just end up nuking each other. Yeah. Yeah, or not even just nuking each other, just ground battles, fighting. World War Five Thousand. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, there's no reason why that couldn't happen just as much too. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be end up being a number of things, you know, because if we take climate change into effect, because that's going to affect a whole bunch of stuff, right? Yeah, Um, you know, uh, a fight for resources, a fight for food. Yeah, you know, all that kind of stuff. you know, war could break out because of that, you know, and at that point it'll just accelerate the climate change. And then, um, I don't know. It just depends on how many people there are yeah. and like whether or not the war kills people. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It, it could, it, it could be tough. And at the same time with the number of people, um, you know, if we get, you know, a COVID Mark three or Mark right. four, and then right. we have another black plague situation, I mean, it's, I mean, I don't know. I mean, at this point, is there even a way back from climate change and stuff like that without just like blinking half of likely. the population right. off the, you know right. what I mean? Like With I don't Thanos right know. all yeah. along. I, know. I mean, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. That's a hard thing to think about because as people who care about people, it's hard to go. The world would be better if there were less of us. Yeah. But if you look at it from a scientific perspective, at some point we're going to hit the carrying capacity of the planet. That's just a fact. Right. And we're pretty close. So it's like, what like, do we yeah. do? 
yeah. about that. You know what I mean? And that to me, those are the most likely. And they're preventable. It's just yeah. the question is, what links are we willing to go? And I don't think people are willing to go to any length. Yeah, and I mean, think about back during the bubonic plague when one in three people died. I mean, and that was just to a lack of medical knowledge. Right. And I mean, we have the medical skills now to save more people than that, but what if it's something more out of control? You know, I mean, my my personal view, I think it's going to be some sort of pandemic tied to like global fighting, like infighting. Not, I don't think it's going to be nuclear war, but I think it's going to be biological war. Uh, no, I think it's going to be a straight up like actual pandemic. Like I think this future version of COVID is going to kick off something. And I think the superpowers around the world are going to start taking advantage of weak spots in the world. And it's just going to be endless wars. Okay. For resources. Yeah. I mean, I could see that. Yeah. I mean, it could, because China has a lot of people. And why not move into Mongolia? Why not move into India? You know, I mean, not that India is less populated, but like, why not start taking space and taking resources? You know, so it's, it, I, I definitely think it's going to be a combination of those two things. That all being said, I think a really good depiction of what the end of the world could possibly look like is did you ever see the movie Children of Men? Yes. Yeah. So, super depressing movie. Yeah, like I didn't like that movie, but you know, <laughs> yeah, I saw it. Yeah, I I kind of hated the movie, but I hated it because of how what it depicted more so than how it was depicted. But the uh, yeah, so the movie was basically a little far fetched, but it was saying that there was no more fertility, like there was no children born uh, for the last eighteen years since the movie opened up. Um, and one of the interesting things is if you look at it today, all of our ferti- fertility rankings are down across the board. So researchers at the University of Washington's Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation showed that the global fertility rate has halved to 2.4 in 2017. And their study published in Lancet uh, projects that it'll fall below 1.7 in 2100 and closer to 1 by 2175. Uh, one what? What's that number mean? One is basically um, it's it's a fertility rate of oh like the rate at which we are multiplying exactly. the total population. So one okay, per okay, okay. Woman. What they say is basically that to have a healthy, uh, re- they call it replacement level fertility is two point one, which is two point one children per woman. Obviously, you can't have point one kid, but this is like you know on average. Yeah, not average. Yeah, math. Exactly, maths. And so, uh, so if replacement level fertility, which is 2.1, is sustained over a sufficiently long period, generations will exactly replace themselves. So uh, obviously for the past, you know, ever, we've been way above 2.1 because we keep growing. We've been closer to like 3, 4, whatever we're at. And, uh, well, it's halved. It was 4.8 and it halved in 2017. So essentially it keeps dropping and populations are going to keep collapsing and our population is going to shrink and shrink and shrink, which though might not be a horrible thing because uh, reports by leading scientists say that by 2050, more than half of the world's population is going to face 20 days a year of lethal heat. Um, Lethal heat meaning over like 120. So if you have, yeah, that's too hot for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, half of the world's population doing that, that's like, putting places like Toronto 
in danger of extreme heat. You know, places way up north that really don't get anything above 90. Right. They're going to be getting stuff above 110, you know. And yeah. that's, you know, obviously Fahrenheit. Right. So, yeah. So then on top of that, 20% of crops are going to be dying globally by that same time frame by 2050. Uh, the Amazon ecosystem is predicted to completely collapse by 2050. Uh, in the summers, the Arctic will be entirely ice-free. Sea levels will rise by a foot, uh, which will put most of where Americans live today underwater. Um, and in the worst case, and this is a quote, the scale of destruction is beyond our capacity to model with the high likelihood of human civilization coming to an end in 2050. Uh, I feel like that's a little bit of hyperbole because I think people underestimate how much suffering can still happen when the world comes to an end. Right. Looking at something like the road where there's going to be a lot of sorry people who are wandering the wasteland. Right. And I don't think that really brings civilization to an end because how do you quantify when civilization ends does that mean the internet right. turns if off? it's not like a global killer total impact type yeah. situation then like are you, like society as we know it comes to an end right but people continue to live on you know yeah and i mean think about it like society as we know it comes to the end like does that mean you can't get any more juicy haze ipa is that when society ends like like as we know right it? Or like does that how it shifts? there's no more mcdonald's right like you know when you look back at in history, as we talked about in the skunk ape episode, there was a thing called the uh, Tobias reduction, which essentially was humans were brought down to almost 5,000 individuals globally because of a, because of a major like super volcano kind of situation. Yeah. Um, and so like the human race almost got wiped out, but yeah, and we survived that. And here we are now making like a podcast, drinking beer, you know? So, yeah. Right. Right. And so, you know, best case scenario is it's just going to be hot as hell and winter is going to start looking a lot like fall and summer and there's going to be flooding everywhere on the planet. That's the best case scenario. Get a boat. For 2050. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the flat boaty, maybe a kayak. Yeah. Or, I mean, you know, worst case too, they're wrong. But, and they could be. And, you know, we're humans. We adapt. We'll water world. We'll build these like floating things. Yeah. Yeah, we'll do guys with we do. one eye will be, you know, living on oil tankers and stuff. Uh, I'll have to dig out my eye patch. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what I got about the end of the world. Cool. Well, all right, guys. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Berluminati. Uh, we will see you again next week. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Berluminati. Our intro and outro music is written by Dungeness. Want to learn more about the topics we cover and who we are? Join us on Facebook and Instagram at Brew Luminati Podcast for behind-the-scenes content and updates. Do you have mystical powers of insight or just questions, suggestions, and feedback? Reach out to us at thebrewluminati at gmail.com. Are you ready to immerse yourself into the inner circle? Visit patreon.com slash Podcast. For the same price as a cup of coffee or sandwich you won't remember, you know, because of mind control, you can join the Brew Luminati and lift the veil on the true mysteries of the universe. 
Your membership to the Conclave unlocks access to our secret Discord server, bonus Patreon-only content, behind-the-scenes talks, and much more. Every dollar spent not only helps us reveal the truths of the world, but also frees us to make the show better, weirder, and allows us to go deeper and deeper into the void while funding our next beer run. When we're not talking conspiracies and beer, we're passionate about saving the forgotten puppies and kitties of the world. 10% of every dollar you donate goes directly to the Best Friend Pet Adoption Agency. They are a local 501c3 all-breed, all-foster cat and dog rescue that will save the life of a pet who never had a chance. Keep an eye out because we'll be posting pictures of the lives our listeners save. For more information on Best Friend Pet Adoption, head over to bfpa.org. Join us again next week for another episode of Brew Luminati. We know you will, because again, mind control is real.